0: Secrets and Spies presents Espresso Martini with Chris Carr and Matt Fulton.
1: Welcome everybody to episode eight of Espresso Martini with myself, Chris Carr, and Matt Fulton.
0: Matt, welcome. How are you today? Hey, Chris. I am doing good. I am uh, excited to to rant about um, some of the stuff we're going to get into today. It's been uh, bugging me for a while, <laughs> so I'm I'm glad to have this outlet to to yeah vent my frustrations. Good, good. Well,
1: there we go. Yeah, it's been a quite an interesting couple of weeks, really. So, uh, yeah, yeah, so today we've got another jam-packed episode, and we're going to be discussing, obviously, the recent Pentagon leaks, as well as a, a Russian pro-war blogger who turned out to not actually be Russian. We've got a businessman taking money from Chinese spies, and a spy ship that's been spotted off the coast of Scotland. So, funnily enough, when I was um, just going through my notes before recording, um, I noticed a, a typo about spy ships. So I accidentally put spy shits off the coast of Scotland. So <laughs> I don't know if that's more accurate or not, but there we go. It's
0: <laughs> probably probably is. Probably is.
1: So yeah, beware. We can roll with it. so let's start with the the, with the leaks um i'm going to break our chat up just sort of into two sections because it's quite a bit to unpack so first we'll look at the the leaker himself and discuss what's known about him and his motivations and then we'll take a look at what some of the leaks showed so um we'll start with who was the leaker and what motivated him so if you Bear with me. Um, we're gonna. I'm going to use an article that appeared in The Guardian called Who is Jack Tashira, the man arrested over Pentagon file leaks? By Peter Beaumont, who was reporting for The Guardian newspaper. And so the key points... So Jack Tashira is a 21-year-old National Guardsman who has been identified as the prime suspect of the leak of classified intelligence documents. He had been assigned to manage and troubleshoot computers and communication systems for the 102nd Intelligence Wing at Otis Air National Guard Base. Tashira was identified as the leading figure in an online gaming chat group called Thug Shaker Central, (laughs) fun name that is, uh, on the social network Discord, where he posted and leaked classified documents. The invite-only Discord group consisted of about 30 people who shared an interest in guns, god, military gear, video games and racist memes. Fun bunch. And the leaked documents were physically removed from a secure place and photographed by Tashira. Details of the interior of Tashira's chartered home matched details on the margins of some of the photographs of the leaked secret documents. Whoops. And uh, Tashira's mother confirmed that her son was a member of the Air National Guard and been working overnight shifts at the base on Cape Cod. Tashira's alleged motive for leaking the documents was to impress his young friends in the chat group. And he was not a whistleblower. Tashira had racist and anti-establishment views and was seen making racial and anti-Semitic slurs on camera. There are serious questions about how someone so young and emotionally insecure with racist and anti-establishment views could have been allowed access to highly classified intelligence and how he was able to remove classified material from a secure site without raising suspicions. And I will say, most of this seemed to be paper-based, so that's quite interesting. So, Matt, what are your thoughts and observations on Jack DeShira and his motivations? Uh,
0: <laughs> I, I don't know if that heavy sigh got picked up in the mic, um, but that's my first uh, reaction to this. Um, that's a pretty good reaction. <laughs> I don't know why. Okay, I, I I try to keep swearing to a minimum on these uh episodes but i don't think that's going to happen today so if you're listening and you have kids in the car or whatever or in the area i'm sorry but this is just how it is today i don't know why the fuck we bother to vet anybody or anything if this is the system that we have allows this 21 year old idiot kid who's been in the military for two years Mm. you know like like I i think a lot of the vetting and the The process behind this to to get a security clearance, I think, is is still kind of rooted in like the 60s, Mm. you know, like they'll ask uh, if you've ever used marijuana at some point. And if you answer yes to have ever using marijuana at any point in your life, you kind of can't get a security clearance unless you have sort of special connections to get it through. Never mind that marijuana is legal in most of the country at this point. You know. I
1: hope you don't have a tie dye shirt with that marijuana.
0: Right. They'll they'll ask you, like, are you gay in these in these security forms as if that makes you predisposed to selling secrets to the Russians or something. Mm. But they apparently won't do their due diligence to see that, you know, yeah, this idiot kid is uh sharing racist memes and stuff with his teenage internet friends. You know? Like I think if 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 Okay, so this discord server that he was a part of, like you said in the intro, was called Thug Shaker Central, I think, mm. right, mm. which is, and I don't add this to be gratuitous, but it, the the I guess the joke behind this this name, it's like a gay porn meme. Um I don't know, don't don't Google it, I guess.
1: <laughs> at least I do it on a government or work computer.
0: Yeah, don't do it on on your work computer. If, if, if you must, but I think I, I, I don't add that to be gratuitous. I add Mm. that because I think it speaks to this kid's maturity. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like he was, he was the administrator of this discord channel, you know? Yeah. Like that would get past, that would get past the air force, this sort of security vetting process. Um, is, it's just, it's just insane to me, you know? Um, Mm. And yeah, so he was he was a he was an Airman first class, uh fairly low level junior uh enlisted rank. Um as you said in the intro, he was a cyber transport systems journeyman, which is just a fancy way of saying an IT guy mm. uh for the 102nd Intelligence Wing of the Massachusetts Air National Guard at uh Otis Air National Guard base on on Cape Cod. And I know when this story broke with the guy's name, you know who he was and everything. There was a lot of discussion about, you know, why does this random air national guard airman in Massachusetts have sort of unfettered access to, I guess it was JWIX that he accessed, which is the, um, joint worldwide intelligence communication system. So it's basically mm-hmm. a, a separate server that kind of handles and processes a lot of intelligence reporting from all across, uh, the US military and the intelligence community. Um, but anyway, there's questions about, you know, why does he have unfettered access to this system? Um, the 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 mission of the Hundred and Second Intelligence Wing, quoting from their website here, it's mission is worldwide precision intelligence and command and control along with trained and experienced airmen for expeditionary combat support and homeland security. So basically what that unit's mission is to sort of collate and and bring together different intelligence sources from all across the community and sort of package them, help package them into Finnish intelligence products and provide that to senior military leaders and combatant commanders. I believe this unit has more of a focus on U.S. European command. So I see why, yeah, an IT guy needs... And remember, Edward Snowden was an IT guy too. Yeah. I see why an IT guy needs access to these systems to do their job, but do you need access to all of all of the contents of those systems, you know, like you have, this kid has no need to know to be able to just get access to, uh, joint staff briefing materials that were compiled for the chairman of the joint chiefs, Mark Milley. Um, it's just, it's, it's, it's insane to me that, yeah, to go back to my first point, like if, if this is who we let through the cracks, I don't know why we bother to vet, anybody mm. i mean this shit mm. keeps happening you know oh, yeah and you look at like okay the the vectors for the exfiltration of this data for chelsea manning and the first batch of wikileaks documents like all the cables and stuff that were that were dropped uh years ago chelsea manning brought that information out through a cd-rom drive right burned it onto a cd edward snowden got everything out on usb drives right and it seems that this kid just printed everything out on a printer and took it home. Yeah. Took it home. Hundreds of documents. I think the first one that we're aware of was from October of last year. Mm, Um, mm. It it could have started before that, but I think the Washington Post, the documents that they've reviewed it, the first one was from October. Um, I don't know. Like, so the U S military and the intelligence community has physically separate air gapped, systems depending on the classification level, right? Mm-hmm. So, JWICS that I mentioned earlier is for information categorized at the top secret or sensitive compartmented information SCI level, right? Below that, just for secret or confidential information is uh, called CIPRNET. But these are physically separate systems. They're air-gapped, right? Yeah. Um so if you go into an office at Langley or Fort Meade or some military base somewhere else, you know, you'll see there are separate phones. A lot of them are sort of like the the, the faceplate on the phone will be a color corresponding to the classification level. it will be like mm. red or orange or something, right? Um, and you'll have separate printers too, you know? So if this kid prints it out, you, you know, all these reports, briefing materials compiled for the joint staff, he would have to print them out on a printer that's specifically reserved for top secret level information yeah right i i don't know it's just it seems to me just like a complete breakdown in 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 counterintelligence in in the vetting process i mean yeah to the point where i I, i've mentioned this a couple times now that i don't know why we even bother anymore you know um it was reported yesterday so april 19th it was um Reported that Lloyd Austin, the Secretary of Defense, he ordered the 102nd Wing to halt its intelligence gathering mission, uh, depending an Air Force Inspector General review of of the whole base. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know, man. I think I think the FBI and and the Air Force Inspector General, the Office of Special uh, Investigations they need to run a colonoscopy on on this whole wing this mm. whole base and people need to be fired for this like careers need to be ended and there needs to be a whole look top to bottom on on the vetting process i don't know what do what do what do you think
1: yeah well multiple things so uh first of all i notice he comes from a military family so that might explain Uh maybe how he even got the job in the first place and it's a bit like with you mentioned snowden earlier and i'm I'm trying not to mention snowden too much but there are some similarities um you know because snowden went in as a security guard and ended up being an it guy at the cia um and it was through family connections he managed to get that job if i remember correctly um so yeah it's a really it's it's a interesting one i think your point earlier about this sort of 1960s kind of view of um vetting i think is almost bang on because the Here's the thing, and, and uh, if there is a drinking game, and there's no, no Ola Gordievsky today, but there is some other kind of classics oh, that have shame. come from these podcasts. Um, so, so I'll put my uh, criminal minds hat on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think that uh, Jack fits a familiar profile. Um, if we consider the recent yeah. cases we've spoken about in the last few episodes about that top-level BND officer who was found to be working for the Russians and the UK security guard mm-hmm. base at the Berlin embassy who gave information to Russian intelligence They were both very conservative in their politics. They appeared to hold racist and anti-progressive views. And these may be one of the factors that attract them to working for Russia, which presents itself as the saviour of the white Christian world. Now, with Jack, he's reportedly expressed anti-government and anti-authority views. He even apparently expressed conspiratorial views about what the government knew about the Buffalo shooter. He comes from a Christian background. He's posted racial slurs online. And the very Discord group he was a part of apparently all admired press. President Putin and his regime and its war in Ukraine, and despite all of their kind of anti government sentiment, they not one time criticized the Russian government for any of its decision making or actions. And then, if you know, if you look at leakers like Edward Snowden as well, they all he also expressed anti authority views online in the past. Um, there were even times when he was a little bit more right wing outwardly in the past, and he now lives in Russia. So, I think the key thing here is this anti authority, anti government. Kind of mindset that can both express itself in a right wing or a left wing view, and I think that's the commonality among a lot of these people, whether it be right wing or left wing it's just this sort of anti authority anti government kind of view that kind of comes in and somehow that they know better and that they feel that they are i don 't know in a position where they can sort of do things that make a difference and so on so so i don 't know there is something going on with this vetting process where people are not seeing what appears to be obvious when you kind of look on the outside in to me at least there just seems to be the pattern that connects everybody from that bnd guy to the embassy guard to snowden to Uh then jack to shearer i feel there's a similarity there obviously i'm not an experienced counterintelligence professional nor am i a criminal profiler by trade um but it it, certainly there are some things that it seem common um and and there does seem to be a bit of a blind spot uh, because again like look at the way the fbi hasn't handled domestic terrorism very well the january 6 attacks you know i I would put Tashira in that kind of. He's in that political spectrum where these Generator 6 people came from. Um, you know, obviously, uh, whether or not he. I, I, you know, I'm not saying he's a rioter and all that, but I think his ideology seems to come from that area that inspired that. Um, and they are typically very pro Russia. And then. Yeah, apparently another angle on all this. Apparently Tashir had been feeling isolated during the pandemic and turned to discord as a way of making friends and a sense of connection. So um, again, I don't know what the mental health policies are in place in the US Air Force and unhappy people can end up going down dark paths. And in some cases, those paths have led Mm -hmm. to espionage and leaks. So how are the military keeping an eye on the mental health and well-being of those who serve? Because, you know, spy history is littered with people... The <laughs> who have felt disaffected in one way or another and they sort of ended up doing bad things so there is definitely something there as to his age i mean the military generally the the military is filled with people between 17 to 35 as yeah. a bracket um, so more is the level of maturity and more slipping through the cracks i think of the issue um, than his age um, because he does sound to me like a particularly immature 21 year old but i've met other i mean hell a 21 year old guy produced my film when we made it and i was in my mid-30s so yeah <laughs> so so you know 21 yeah. year olds can be more than capable to do amazing things and god d-day and uh, many wars are fought by people between probably 17 to 20 something so uh, yeah
0: yeah no, that's that's a good point you make about about the age the age isn't so much an issue and yet yeah, most people in in active duty in the military or sort of in that same range. But yeah, it, it's very much to, it's very much an issue of, of his maturity. And, and yeah, he had some problematic views. I um, sound illegal, you know, that's not, I don't think that's, that's disqualifying from serving in the military, no. so to speak, but it is, it, it, it should, it gets to a level where I, I think, do you trust this person with the top secret security clearance? Mm. I would say, I would say no, and clearly that's the case here. I, I don't think he's—the evidence that we have, you know, and, and he hasn't— th- there's been no sort of statements from him or or his attorneys yet. I think he was supposed to have a hearing yesterday, and it got pushed off into early May. He hasn't entered a plea yet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know that he's—I mean, yeah, Snowden, Chelsea Manning were— their motivations were very much— political whether you call them a whistleblower or not i mean i think very rational well-intended people could come to differing views on whether or not they are and that's a separate conversation Mm. this guy what's so baffling to me is what he did here wasn't really rooted in in ideology at all as
1: far as we know i would say but yeah
0: as far as we know right now yes Mm. but it's so it's um i'm trying to sort of describe the nuance of this here that i think is going on i mean there's there's part of this story that i speak i think speaks to the greater issue that our society has with disaffected young men Mm. you know Mm. looking for for communities in in kind of bad and toxic places like online um I, I, i don't i don't really i haven't thought enough about that to really sort of say anything definitive of of what was going on there. But it's something to be said for them, Yeah. I think as far as as the views, yeah. I think as far as as the views and the sentiments that were expressed in this group that he was a part of with these other, I mean, kids like 17, even younger, that he was talking to. Uh do you know the term edgelord? I don't
1: actually know. I feel like I should know that, but yeah, <laughs>
0: I'll I'll explain it cuz I'm sure there are plenty of people listening who don't know what it is. But it's a it's in it's a, okay, and and I mean, this guy is a generation behind me. You're the generation ahead of me. So there is a bit of a there's kind of a cultural disconnect here that I'm trying to sort of explain cuz I think it really speaks to what happened here. But anyway, Edge is a term that sort of came out of online communities and it's basically it's it's someone it's a term for someone who deliberately posts and says provocative things online to Mm. sort of just be edgy and extreme for the reaction
1: yeah just a contrarian basically
0: yes it's it's i think that's a lot of what was going on here at least with the views of some of these kids who were talking i mean no i don't think I don't think 17-year-olds in a in a gaming discord or something have really well-developed political ideologies that they're acting on. I think a lot of these people, and I think this is probably true of Jack Teixeira himself, are immature and say and do stupid things that they haven't fully internalized. You know, like they're not... Mm. I wouldn't call this guy a neo-Nazi at all. I wouldn't really necessarily even call him far right. He had some anti-establishment views. It seems he kind of, you know, he and his friends kind of said stupid racist stuff, uh, you know, that sort of seems just not very well thought through, but I mean, yeah, there's also a huge part of this, which is just a lack of, of maturity, you know? So he was, he was posting this stuff, uh, the other members of, of of the Discord server called him, like, the OG. I guess that was his handle on this Discord server. So he was, like, I guess sort of the leader of this Discord server or something. But he was posting, it seems to be that from a lot of the reporting, that he was posting these classified documents to sort of show these younger kids in this group, like this is what's really going on out in the Mm. world, you know, Mm. like this is how it really is. And I want to show from his standpoint, like, yeah, I want to show you what's really going on out there. uh, And also so that they would think that these younger kids would think that he was cool. I mean, that's again, getting back to what's so frustrating and aggravating to me is that it wasn't, I mean, yeah, Edward Snowden, Chelsea Manning, they had points that they were trying to make. They Mm. were trying to affect some kind of a change in intelligence community policy and stuff, you know, and we can say what we want about those views and what those intentions were, but they had an intention. They had a point in doing this, you know, this kid didn't, he just did it because he wanted people, these teenagers online to think he was cool, Mm. you know? Mm. And I think that also just gets back to the vetting issue. I, I mean, if you're giving someone a fucking top secret security clearance, You should, before you give them this clearance, you should know that they're posting stupid, racist shit to their Mm. 17-year-old friends online, Mm. you know? Mm. Don't be concerned about whether or not he smoked marijuana once when he was 15 or whether he might be gay. That's not a concern. The concern is, is he posting stupid, racist shit online? Does he lack the maturity to, to understand that I took an oath to protect and safeguard this classified national defense information, I can't screw this up. And also i have the understanding of all the terrible things that are, that'll happen to me Mm. if I do screw up, Mm. you know, Mm. like, was that, was that thought process just not there at all? I mean, did no one sort of, I, I've never, I've never applied for a security clearance. I, I don't believe I ever, will but I I would think that when you get one you're heavily briefed on these are the safeguards you must take to to protect this information and and if you if this information gets out be because of your actions intended or not these are the bad things that are that'll happen to you these are the statues that you're violating this is the prison time that you're facing like was that not? conveyed to him that you know he would think oh yeah i'm going to print out these classified documents and take them home and take pictures of them and post them online for months just where was that disconnect and where did it fall apart yeah yeah and that's why i said there needs to be a colonoscopy run on this whole damn unit
1: oh yeah the whole vetting counterintelligence side is really failed here and we'll go into maybe that in a moment i mean because these documents were online for months and they weren't detected by the air force or the fbi or anybody it was journalists who broke the story that led to the investigation um and you know it's it's just shocking and appalling that it yeah it goes back to kind of reminds of that james bond film where i think it's goldeneye where um judy dench says we prefer not to learn uh, bad information from cnn <laughs> it's like because they yeah. about the, uh, the the real-time spy satellite they have and she says we'd rather not be reliant yeah. on cnn for our information yeah. and it's so true you know and i and, um, uh, it is appalling so i wonder so there must be so there's a few things that pop out a little bit still um Because I'm a bit obsessed with anti-authority, anti-government mindset. Uh My interesting point is one would think anybody with that point of view, who expresses that point of view, who's part of the military intelligence security services, should that not be a point of concern? So obviously, I don't know whether... Um, it was apparent in his behaviour he held those views or you know was he wearing a, an Illuminati t-shirt on his you know time off I don't know Is it, there's so many things I don't I know, know at this point but um, knowing what I've seen online chatter from should we say some former special forces people and stuff like that these anti-authority anti-government views are quite common and I wonder if there's a weird cultural disconnect in the military where yeah. if somebody expresses those views we just see it as blowing off steam rather than should we say raising an Eyebrow and just looking a bit deeper at it because you know so people express all sorts of stuff to blow off steam, but there's a there's certainly a point where um just for a bit of nuance and thinking about it, you you can tell once he's blowing off steam when somebody's sort of means it if you know what I mean, um, and and there's something lacking somewhere and all that. But yeah,
0: I think all large professional militaries, of course, the U.S. military is among those, mm-hmm. reflects at any given point in history reflects broadly the, the beliefs and anxieties of the society of that country as a whole. Mm, mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, there's a good, there's a good segment of the population who harbors kind of anti establishment, kind of edgy, alt racist views, Prone to conspiratorial thinking. I mean, that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's how our society is in the US right now, mm, you know? Mm. So, yeah, of course, the military is going to reflect that to a degree because the military is recruited from our society, mm. you know? Um, I think the military has always had these issues. I mean, uh, uh, you know, like those stories that uh, USGIs in the lead up to D Day who were stationed in England. Asked pub owners, hey, can you not let in black American GIs to this pub? Because, Mm. you know, where we come from, it's segregated and we don't like their kind in here. And the English pub owners rightfully were like, no, fuck off. We're not Mm. doing that, Mm. you know. So even back then during World War II, the greatest generation and all that kind of stuff, those issues were still in our military because they Mm. they, they reflected the society that they were coming from. And that's still true here.
1: Yeah. Well, Timothy McVeigh pops into yeah, my head as well. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, cause Absolutely. he, he, um, I think he started wearing like a white pride t-shirt to challenge, uh, black servicemen who wore black pride t-shirts or something. And it was a slippery slope uh-huh. from there. Um, and yeah. yeah. And then obviously he required, got a lot of training through his military background, which led to, uh, you know, to him being able to make explosives for the Oklahoma bombing and stuff. And, um, uh, yeah, very, very interesting character. So um, what we'll do, we'll segue now into sort of what the documents showed. So this, um, I'm going to use a BBC article by Paul Adams called... What the Pentagon Documents Reveal. <laughs> this says a good hey. title that uh, for the BBC. Um, so recently leaked classified US documents shed light on American intelligence gathered about other countries. The key takeaways are, so the US believe that UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres was too accommodating to Russian interests, which undermined attempt to hold Russia accountable for the war in Ukraine. One leaked document outlined how Ukraine's stockpile of missiles was running out and required urgent resupplies. Then we have the Jordanian government was reportedly worried about retaliation from China if they kept Huawei out of their 5G rollout plans. And the Jordanian government was also concerned about Chinese cyber attack capabilities. We also found out that Russian officials are at odds over reporting casualties in the Ukraine war with the FSB accusing the Defence Ministry of downplaying the human impact. Then we've got allegedly Western Special Forces are operating inside Ukraine with the UK having the largest contingent followed by Latvia, France, the US and Netherlands. The US have expressed doubts about Ukraine's chances of success in their counter-offensive due to problems with generating and sustaining sufficient force. Another revelation is that Egypt secretly planned to supply rockets to Russia In exchange for unspecified help, with President Al-Sisi telling officials to keep production and shipments secret to avoid problems with the West. (laughs) Uh. So there we can see where his loyalties lie. Um, And then South Korea was torn between US pressure to send ammunition to Ukraine and their policy not to arm other countries at war and also China tested one of its experimental missiles, the DF-27 hypersonic glide vehicle of the 25th of February which flew for over 12 minutes at a distance of 2100 kilometres. Finally, does anybody remember the rivet joint spy plane that a Russian missile was released in the presence of? (laughs) Well apparently the Russians actually were trying to shoot down that plane and that would have killed probably about 18 British service people and um And luckily, because the missile was crap, it didn't manage to blow up that plane. So, so, so those are some of the revelations that have kind of come out. Yeah,
0: the Russians were actually trying to shoot down that RAF aircraft. It wasn't just an accidental thing. Apparently so. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently so.
1: It was only because the missile was faulty. Yeah. That's big. These are sort of the things um, that have been revealed. So, it's I mean, obviously, the thing is, these are intelligence reports that are not 100% accurate themselves because it's intelligence gathered that's then been pumped out raw. But it's pretty, you could probably say that the majority of it has a pretty high accuracy rate. But it, you do still have to take everything with a pinch of salt, even when intelligence is leaked. Is still, you know, it's, it's like with the... Um, uh the steel dossier you know there's a uh-huh. lot of truth to it and at the same time there's a lot of speculation in there too because intelligence is imperfect but so so all these things are going to take a little bit of a pinch of salt but it's some interesting stuff so um yeah matt do you have any thoughts on on these sort of uh, revelations and obviously the journey of how these leaks came out
0: Yeah, there was a point early on before we knew that it was this airman who was responsible for it. I think one of the first documents that surfaced on a pro-Russian telegram channel Mm -hmm. were um, uh, casualty estimates of the um, Russian and and Ukrainian armies, uh, respectively. And the, the casualty estimates, I guess, were just blatantly doctored to, to show that the Ukrainians had far more casualties than the Russians. Um, and that was... So I think at first there was some concern or thought that this was a Russian misinformation uh, uh, operation. Um, and it, it was sort of found out later that I think that those numbers in that image were um, doctored by a, a pro-Russian account that I will get into a bit later. Mm-hmm. Um, there were... A few interesting bits in here. Like, I read these articles, um, and I've been looking at uh, several of the documents myself, like the actual documents um, that I, I got a hold of. I think it shows, really shows the scope and the The breadth of U.S. intelligence gathering around the world, you know, mm. certainly mm. shows our penetration of the Russian military, Russian security services that we're able to know as much as we do, like their internal, like the internal deliberations in Moscow with high-ranking officials. That's very interesting. There are a few interesting points that stood out to me. Um, there was... One assessment of the UK's plan to base a Royal Navy, uh, one of the Queen Elizabeth class carriers, in the in the Western Pacific mm. to help counter China, um, and there are assessments of of how Beijing would react to if a Labour government was elected after the next general election. Mm. That's really interesting. There was another account of um, casualties taken by a, a GRU-subordinated Spetsnaz unit. Mm. It's the 22nd Independent Spetsnaz Brigade. Uh, there was overhead imagery of their garrison outside Rostov in southwestern Russia. And this is really interesting. So there was a... Yeah, there's overhead imagery of the garrison from before when the Spetsnaz unit uh, deployed to Ukraine and then when they returned last summer. And the imagery looks at the motor pool... And uh, after they returned, this motor pool is like half empty, mm, you know? Mm. Um, and there's estimates that this Spetsnaz Brigade uh, has a 90 to 95% attrition rate from its deployment in Ukraine last summer, which, I mean, I, I would have to think back to... Like World War II, when you'd see units like this just being almost just just annihilated. That's really shocking yeah. to see. Just that just just ninety to ninety five percent for matches up.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it matches up with some things yeah. people have said on this podcast in the past, actually. I mean, like uh yeah, Dr. Taras Cusio and I think Malcolm Nance who had been out there mm-hmm. and a few other people. So yeah. yeah, it sort of yeah, it sort of matches up with what we're picture we've been getting over the last few months.
0: The um, story about the Egyptians deliberating whether or not to sell rockets mm. to the Russians is, I think to me, probably the most concerning bit there. I mean, if there's any sort of silver lining in it, uh, the the intelligence reporting that revealed this also said that we got wind of it and um, we sort of confronted the Egyptians and and persuaded them not to sell rockets to the Russians. But to me, you know, just that they would consider doing that and 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 to hide it is a, is a serious concern i mean egypt is a country that we spend all kinds of money supplying weapons to you know so why are we supplying weapons to a country that then supplies them to 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 russia mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. it's probably a bit like the pakistan thing from a few years back with all right, the billions yeah. of aid only to find out that bin laden was living in pakistan you know?
0: right exactly i mean if anything if if there's a reason why here i think i mean it's Egypt is just another member of this collection of autocratic governments in the Middle East, you know, that, that includes the UAE, the Saudis, um, that are sort of, I guess, reflected of this axis of aut- autocracies in competition with liberal democracies. Mm. Um, that's That's concerning to me. Those are the big takeaways that i had i mean if there's a lot of this stuff is i mean it was it was stuff that was prepared for the chairman of the joint chiefs uh mark milley mostly last winter for the joint staff and the joint staff is a huge organization mostly based in the pentagon but there's um uh chunks of it that are based down around the hampton roads area in uh virginia um but includes hundreds of people a lot of this was was briefing materials prepared for the joint staff i had the sense before we knew who the leaker was that someone lost a briefing book mm. for mark milley mm. and that's where this stuff was coming from oh, yeah, so yeah. a lot of it is it's 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 finished intelligence products um that in- incorporate a-, a lot of different uh collection um sources uh they are Talks explicitly about stuff being gathered from signals intelligence. Um, there's stuff from the CIA that suggests that there were human sources behind some of the collection. Uh, talks a lot about the NRO, the National Reconnaissance Office, who runs all the overhead reconnaissance satellites. So I think you would think that just because these are finished intelligence products that are being leaked, that it wouldn't really expose sources and methods to that degree if it was just raw reporting. Um that's not quite the case though from what I understand I mean if if you know you're the Russians or the Chinese and and this stuff is leaked and it even if it's like okay it says you know we collected this information from signals intelligence or from reporting from a human asset just knowing that mm. uh, you're sort of able to to reverse engineer that information flow oh, yeah. and yeah. and I mean it's not it's not a big. It's not a big challenge for for a nation's security services Mm -hmm. to track down where this information came from. And that's what I think will make this so... Damaging in the long run, potentially. Oh, yeah, totally on that point. I mean,
1: there's going to be a lot of um, sources who've been working for the Western intelligence services who are connected to Russia who are probably very nervous at the moment and their lives are in danger because if they Absolutely. do get caught, um, the tradition is obviously once they've been through their due process and found to be a traitor, is usually a bullet to the back of the head in Russia. That's usually what the fate of spies yeah. is.
0: We can't recruit sources. To betray their country if the source if the potential sources don't believe that we're able to protect them mm. you know mm. and if we're allowing idiot kids like this to get top secret level security clearances and leak it to his gaming buddies no we can't protect them and that's why the vetting process is so important yeah yeah
1: yeah and it's just i don't know wildly speculative and controversial just pops into my mind probably not always a good thing but um It's interesting the difference in a lot of these leaks do unfortunately seem to come from America because the American intelligence services are so large and complex. I think there's too many people Uh get access to stuff. And certainly there have been a lot yeah. of less leaks of this kind from the UK and some of the European partners. I mean, saying that, they had the whole B&D scandal last, uh, a few months ago. So that sort of goes against that. But, um, But this sort of like 20-year-old IT guy, hacker type dude does seem to be a very American thing at the moment. But I'm sure that will change. But it's just quite interesting.
0: Yeah, that's another part that just so aggravates me that this keeps happening here yeah you know and if if yeah if if mi6 if gchq kept having these you know big leaks of classified information if it was a german intelligence agency or a french intelligence agency we in the u.s we would stop sharing intelligence with them you know Mm. why should that be any different for you guys it shouldn't
1: well this is it i mean the, the imagine if you were an mi6 you know a source in russia who gets completely blown just because of something like this? It's uh-huh. nothing even
0: to do with MI six. It's to do with the the five eyes and all that. Exactly. And if 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 you're the MI six officer whose job it is to handle this, you know this potential Russian source, mm. how do you protect your asset against that? You can't. Mm. You can't. You have no control over what what random weird gaming kid has a top secret security clearance in Massachusetts. You know, that's what's just so that's what's just so aggravating about the whole thing.
1: Yeah, it's bad. Um, and I'm sure now Russian counterintelligence will be working on overdrive to figure out how the West has been getting intelligence on internal conflicts and stuff. And human sources yep. are definitely at risk. But um there was an interview I was listening to on Spy right the, the podcast, and um, the guest on there was talking about, likewise, the... Uh, even these counterintelligence efforts being doubled by the Russians will probably lead to internal resentment and potentially more assets for the West in the future as they recruit disgruntled servicemen and women from Russian forces and intelligence. So Russia might be going through their James Jesus Angleton moment and the CIA, MI6, etc., might be able to benefit from that.
0: That's a good point. That's a good point, yeah.
1: Slight silver lining to that cloud. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: on Egypt, uh, one observation I had... I don't know if this is valid or useful, but um, Russia obviously benefiting greatly from American foreign policy decisions that have led to a rise of anti-American sentiment in the Middle East and Africa. Right. So we can see that they are definitely exploiting. Now I'm intrigued what support Russia had given Egypt for their government to be so pro-Russia and want to kind of give missiles to Russia and keep it a secret from America. I don't know if you have any thoughts on what that might be. but
0: The Egyptians during the Cold War were allied with the Soviet Union for a while. Um, mm. So that mm. that relationship goes back a while. You had the other point about um, uh, Africa. And one of the things that one of the stories that were um, in these leaks was that the GRU, that's so Russian military intelligence, was uh, planning a propaganda campaign in African countries to sort of turn public support against leaders who support the Ukrainians, right? Specifically with the goal mm-hmm. of discrediting the U.S. and, and France, France, I guess, because it's, you know, historically a major colonial power in, in, in Africa. Um, and one of the one of the strategies there was to plant uh, stories in African media outlets to discredit Ukraine. And that's um when I saw that, that's a that's an old Cold War tactic going back. You know, the KGB would plant stories about how uh, the CIA uh, created AIDS you know, Mm. or, um, or, uh, created, you know, was, was sort of in the crack cocaine business back in the eighties and stuff. Yeah. So the KGB would, would plant these stories in, in media outlets in Africa, elsewhere in the third world, really kind of off the beaten path uh, places. And then would have that, have that disinformation sort of percolate back up into sort of major Western media outlets, mm-hmm. so it would just sort of be laundered mm-hmm. in a way, and that so just sort of those yeah. those fingerprints that the Russians had uh, wouldn't be on it so much. Is that I saw that, and that was like, yeah, that's a very classic cold war spy thing. Um, to do, of course, you know now with the now with the internet, you know that's the, it can take seconds for that stuff to spread. Quick thing on the cold war yeah. tactics.
1: Um, I'll just say to listeners, um, I, not, I'm assuming not every listeners listen to every episode of this podcast, but in series one. I interviewed Todd Leventhal from the State Department um, and he was in charge of the unit that kind of countered Russian propaganda Um, and he talks a little bit in detail about how those Russian propaganda efforts sort of worked and then how they feed into modern conspiracy theory, culture and so on. Um, It was a bit of a guarded interview because he he still worked for the State Department at the time of recording but um, there's some very interesting tidbits and they're about some kind of Cold War stuff like the AIDS stories you've just mentioned and, and other ones as well so uh, yeah the listeners do check that out and i'll put a link in the show notes for that
0: yeah there were a lot of interesting points about uh the wagner group in in these leaks mm. too there were stories about uh yeah their their efforts in 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 africa which have been going on for a while um there was also a, a report in there about the wagner group approaching officials in haiti to sort of come in and and help them combat you know the gangs that in the last couple of years have taken over I mean huge chunks of the country. Uh, that's really interesting to me and just how how the regular Russian military is just so reliant on the Wagner Group now to operate. I think we're kind of at a point where I don't know. It seems like the Wagner Group is is kind of analogous at this point to the SS under Nazi Germany. You know, like this super mm. fanatical paramilitary wing of the ruling party i mean they're not they're not the same thing they're organized differently they they operate differently but i i think the wagner group are sort of operating in that same space now that that the ss did um under yeah. the nazis i mean a lot of the reporting for the worst atrocities that we've seen in ukraine have been committed by the wagner group You know, just the worst atrocities during World War II was committed by the SS. Mm, mm.
1: And many Wagner group members have, like, SS tattoos on them. So they're clearly, clearly fans. Yeah,
0: which is just so... Which is You think back to, like, how far we've come that the Russians are kind of just emulating the SS in this way. I mean, the Russians who should just have in their cultural DNA who face the worst of what the nazi party had to offer you know that was all on the eastern front the mm. einsatz group and mm. all those massacres the mass graves you know taking whole villages and and locking them in barns and setting them on fire i mean that was all perpetrated by the nazis on russian people yeah and this is how we've turned around now and now they have you know the ss rune tattoos on them yeah, um it's so bizarre. it's very strange
1: it is it is you know so i can understand like, uh I mean I've I'm of the view that the line between communism and fascism is not it, it, you know is much closer than a lot of people like to admit. Um and I jokingly say that communism yeah. just has better healthcare. Um but the symbols, surely in you know, considering you know there they as you've said just now, you know, there's been many countless examples of where Russians have been murdered by Nazis and the SS. You would have thought at least the symbols would still resonate in a bad way through culture. I mean, in Britain, to some extent, yes. I mean, we, we've got so many World War II movies, and how I'm trying to write a World War II TV show just to add to that. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's so, World War II is so ingrained in our culture that almost everybody, just about, if you s- threw a, a swash sticker in their face, they would instantly have a reaction, and usually a negative emotional reaction. There is a small part of the population that probably might not, but um but the majority yeah. I would have liked to believe um would have a negative reaction to that. And it's um but with this whole Wagner group thing, it just seems to be embedded in their culture. It's a bit like remember we were talk about the German B and D scandal. I mean like I think we mentioned in the episode or, or it certainly was in my notes whether we did mention it or not the German special forces had to be disbanded because so many members of German special forces right. were collecting Nazi memorabilia, had Nazi tattoos, and so on and so forth. Yeah. It's, it's just, I don't know, it's, it, and, you know, as I've been sort of saying, there seems to be this connection from time to time with Russia presenting itself as the savior, of the white Christian world, and somehow these symbols are kind of in that sort of cocktail of nastiness that seems to lead to people supporting Russia and it's so bizarre and I don't know I don't know exactly where that started is that a 90s thing is that um is that since Putin came into power that this is sort of uh Happened, I, I can't really say, but it uh, or has it always been in the culture in the background? I mean, certainly for obviously for Germany's history, it's sadly a part of their history, so it will be a little bit in their culture. But for Russia and Russians to start getting Nazi tattoos and SS tattoos, I don't know quite where that
0: started. Really, it's very weird. It feels very recent. I mean, I don't know. I haven't. I haven't seen any. I don't know if there are any good studies out there about you know public opinion in russia when these sentiments kind of boiled up but just sort of observing these developments over the years to me it seems that like 2012-ish was kind of i think when we took a really bad turn in russia i mean when putin came back after Medvedev, yeah when, when when he when he came back i think we really started to see um that change in russian society and i mean even even in the last year or so since the war in Ukraine broke out, I mean, I think you've just seen a transformation of Russian society. I mean, I don't know that I've talked about this on the podcast before, but I remember seeing last summer hmm. uh, it was a video of a it was on Twitter somewhere, a video of a Russian woman in London um just sort of harassing and screaming at this oh, Ukrainian yeah. person yeah, on the street. Yeah. And I think, you know, that woman That Russian woman in London is not trapped in a propaganda bubble. She has access to all the same information that you and I and anyone listening to this podcast does. Mm -hmm. You know, she's not a prisoner of Russian state media. I guess to a point where, like, you make a choice to buy into this stuff. You know, you make a choice to believe this crazy shit and act this way. You Mm -hmm. know, you're not just a victim of propaganda. And I think, you know, when this war is over, you know quoting apocalypse now someday this war is going to end again going back to the world war ii analogy after the fall of of nazism every german on an individual level had to demonstrate how they were not like mm. those people how mm. they were not like the ss mm. and germany to this day goes out of its way to show that like no that's not us we're not like that mm. uh, I, I think yeah. that's there's gonna have to be that reckoning within russian society after this you know mm. um mm. Oh, no, definitely. Which I think just makes it so, I think makes it so daunting to see how and where this ends, you know? Mm. No, indeed.
1: That's a good point. Should we? <laughs> I feel like I want to move yeah. into- a um...
0: episode today. I
1: know. Well, I'm going to just uh, put a cherry on the cake of this story because- uh... It's another another topic about, um, it's still on topic of leaks and US military people who appear to be pro-Russia. We have this fascinating piece about a former US Navy non-commissioned officer who became a prominent online voice supporting Russia's war in Ukraine. So we've got an article... By Yaroslav Trofimov from the Wall Street Journal, and it's titled "Social Media Account Overseen by Former Navy Non-Commissioned Officer Helps Spread Secrets." So, a Russian blogger known as the Donbas Dveshka, which translates as Donbass girl" played a key role in the spread of in, of the intelligence documents spread by Airman First Class Jack Tishira, our new our new best bud, wow. um, and uh, <laughs> and uh, this Telegram account posted four of the uh, allegedly classified documents to his sixty five thousand followers on April the fifth, um, and the. The blog is the face of a pro-Kremlin social media podcasting and merchandise and fundraising accounts. And, uh, but the person who's been hosting this podcast and overseeing this account is actually a Washington State based former US enlisted aviation electronics technician whose name is Sarah Bills. And um, Sarah Bills is a former U.S. Navy non-commissioned officer. She only recently left the Navy um, and after a demotion, which we don't really know why what that demotion was about, but she left with an honourable discharge. There is no evidence that she used her security clearance to access secrets and spread information online but she did have a security clearance but when miss bills was interviewed she actually said i obviously know the gravity of top secret classified materials we didn't leak them is what she said so at least she knew not to do that um and she's now being investigated by the department of justice as a probe into how leaked pentagon documents appeared online and yeah The fact that she isn't Russian was actually discovered, this is the bit I love, was discovered um, by pro-Ukrainian open source intelligence analysts from NAFO, which stands for North Atlantic Fellow Organization.
0: (laughs) I love those guys.
1: I love them too. I've I've got some of their cups. Um, And the Ukrainian group were able to unmask bills thanks to yet another unusual side hustle. Now get ready for this. So aside from serving in the Navy, she also ran a business selling tropical fish And imported food from Poland. And apparently, in 2020, in June 2020, she appeared on a popular podcast about fish tanks. And that proved to be her undoing, and that's what Nafo found, and uh, and that's how they found out that she wasn't Russian. So, yeah. so there you go. So, if you're going to pretend to be Russian, don't go on a podcast talking about tropical fish. So, so Matt, uh, any thoughts on 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 this lovely story?
0: We should get her on to talk about the fish. I know we should. We should do it. <laughs> we're a Russian. <laughs> we're a Russian I'm fish
1: specialist.
0: we we'll to talk about sturgeon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that'll 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 put everyone to sleep sturgeon's um, very
1: nice of cream cheese by the way I had it on a bagel once and uh, it was good <laughs> that's
0: it nice nice um yeah this is another glaring uh counterintelligence security issue um yeah this one was a naval aviator uh based in a growler squadron mm-hmm. at Whidbey island in in Washington um i think her connection that we know of, thus far so this Jack Teixeira and sort of his crew were originally on a um I am going to get back to this leaker in a second here I'm looping Mm -hmm. it back around um Jack Teixeira and and his crew were part of a larger discord server devoted to this guy this online persona his name's Oxide who is he's in he's active duty military still um but he posts a lot of like gun reviews and stuff on youtube um nothing really wrong with that uh so they were all sort of in this discord that are all fans of this oxide character and they would talk about it and stuff and then uh jack to and sort of some other people left and made another discord a smaller discord uh server that um that they named after this gay porn Mm -hmm. meme Mm -hmm. again speaks to their maturity uh and that's sort of where where a lot of this stuff was was posted. Uh, they had a channel on this Discord server. It was Bear versus Pig, mm-hmm. I think. Which mm-hmm. I, I guess the Bear is Russian. I'm not sure what the Pig's supposed to stand for. But yeah, pro-Russian sentiments going on there, and and a lot of these documents were were placed on this channel on the Discord server. And then from there, it sort of migrated onto other people sort of taking this stuff that Jack had posted migrated onto a Minecraft gaming discussion kind of server. Um, and then to pro Russian telegram accounts, which is where the image with the doctored Ukrainian casualty estimates were. And I believe that was posted by this Don Bastavushka woman. Um, so that's, that's her connection to this, mm. we believe. Right. um, yeah and 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 from there um i don't get it just like the american service members who do this weird pro-russian yeah cosplay shit mm. like just 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 go over there mm. like move leave
1: do a steven seagal
0: <laughs> right yeah or who's the french guy who's oh over there yeah too?
1: yeah yeah um, um Oh, Depardieu? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Is that him? That is him. Yeah, is that's it. That,
0: yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, leave. Get the fuck out. If you want to go do this weird kind of fascist cosplay thing, go. Get in the trenches, go. Mm. Um, it's I don't I don't understand it. Um uh, again, yeah, a massive yeah. counterintelligence and security issue that uh the Pentagon really needs to get their shit in order um because uh Mm. yeah uh it's bad and it can't keep happening yeah well i'm i
1: i want to find out more about uh, about her because i (laughs) i suspect she's gonna fit that profile i mentioned earlier where she has these anti-progressive views and stuff like that I, i i will put money on it that she is when we find out right when we find out what she's been you know what her personal views are i bet they're going to be quite ugly um i could be wrong and i yeah. apologize in advance if i am uh to miss miss bills um and i'll, I'll get her a sturgeon bagel as a compensation for this um but <laughs> <laughs> or, or if she doesn't want to eat fish i'll happily get her another kind of bagel um but uh I just yeah, I don't know. I these pro-Putin individuals within the ranks. I'm you know, we've got it here. You know, in the UK, we had that security guard from the British Embassy, there are others. Yeah, yeah it's just there's this sort of appeal, this this reach that Putinism has. And so my notes, I, I and I've I kind of already said it, but Putin and his propaganda have done a good job aligning themselves with conservative politics in the West and Christian evangelicals. And I will just say, as a disclaimer, that I have met many u s conservatives and Christian evangelicals who don't subscribe to Putinism, so there aren't really any easy answers no, but the thing is, they do the vast majority do not yeah, but there are but every person who who seems to be pro-Putin just seems to tick these boxes again and again and again. Yes. Um, and There's a commonality yes. there. So I think the counterintelligence people just need to kind of up their game a bit. It's, you know, it's not people who smoke marijuana in tie-dye shirts you should be worried about. If anything... To some extent, they might be on your side, actually, but but <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, it's 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 crazy.
0: Yeah, no, I guess to your to your point about you know Russian sympathies being kind of uh, endemic in certain conservative circles um, in the U.S., I'm reminded of uh, the reaction to this stuff when um, when this first came out. You had Marjorie Taylor Green and Tucker Carlson come out and defend this kid uh Mm -hmm. saying you know he's a whistleblower um which is is just bizarre to me that your knee-jerk reaction for a congressman and 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 tucker carlson would be to you know say oh you know what he did kind of had some merit here when even even the people who are in this discord server with him kind of said no he's not a whistleblower he had no real kind of political motivation or ideology behind doing this. He just did it because he thought it was, mm. but he thought it was cool, you know? Mm. Yeah. Very, very weird how that, how that goes there. You know, Marjorie Taylor Green also with this, um, leaked information about, uh, the U S having, what is it? 14, uh, special forces, uh, members operating inside Ukraine. You know, she tried to come out and say that this was like this kind of huge revelation that the Biden administration is lying and we have boots on the ground or something. I mean, these fourteen special forces operators are uh, detailed to the defense attaché's office at the embassy in in Kiev to um, sort of do oversight for a lot of the 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 arm shipments and stuff, the 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 aid that we're providing. So, I mean, boots on the ground. Uh, this is not. Um, but I mean, yeah, some of these. Some of these people like the Don Davushka that we just talked about um, or is it uh, uh, or, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene or or, or Tucker Carlson. I mean, I'm not going to suggest that they're actually on the take from the Russians. Um, There's no evidence of that. I'm not saying. But I think we're kind of at the point where if they're not, they should consider asking to be compensated for their services (laughs) because they're basically doing the job anyway. Yeah, or what's the term? Useful
1: idiot, isn't it? That's the term. Yeah, that's it. That's the term there. Yeah, obviously, idiot's not a judgment, but it's that's the term that's used to describe people who unknowingly are doing the bidding for a, a, you know another country against yours. Yeah. So um, our next story is about an Australian businessman who uh, was allegedly given envelopes of cash from Chinese spies for information. And that is also the title of the article I'm basing this on um, by the Australian Associated Press for the Guardian newspaper. So Alexander Sergo, an Australian businessman who worked in China, has been accused of accepting envelopes of cash from suspected Chinese spies in exchange for handwritten reports on Australia's foreign alliances. The reports allegedly covered Australian defences, economic and national security arrangements, as well as topics as the AUKUS and Quad alliances, and also information on lithium mining in Australia and the iron ore risk, which is quite interesting. For those not to know, AUKUS is the Hmm. new submarine agreement between Australia, UK and USA. For some reason, I seem to call it ARKUS, but it is AUKUS. And the Quad is the Quadrilateral Security Dialogue, uh, which is a strategic security dialogue, dialogue between Australia, India, Japan and the United States. And that is maintained by talks between the member countries. So Sergo is said to have met with suspected Chinese spies known as Ken and Evelyn. And this was during the... Shanghai's extended COVID-19 lockdown. So whilst other people were watching Netflix, he was doing this. And he was arrested and charged on uh, Friday of last week after weeks of questioning by the Australian Security Intelligence Organization and Federal Police, during which his phone and laptop was searched. Sergo apparently suspected Ken and Evelyn were spies soon after meeting them, but remained in contact with them for two years. And he allegedly had covert communication with two other individuals in preparing the reports that he made for them. Um, his lawyer Bernard Collery suggests that the reports were not sinister and based on public sourced information, um, and also apparently Sergo's own creative efforts, which kind of brings back the uh, not Taylor of Panama. What's the other one? Um, the original, the Graham Greene one, um, with Alec Guinness. Oh my goodness! The Quiet American. No, no, the one or, with the, the Hoover salesman who, who sells the information. Our man in Havana, that's it, our man in Havana.
0: Yes. So it has,
1: has shades of our man in Havana a little bit. Um, and apparently bail has been denied, and Sergo is now due back in court in June. So, Matt, I don't know if you had any thoughts on this story.
0: Well, I mean, to your point, yeah, everyone sort of had their... Uh pandemic hobby. Mine was <laughs> cooking and gardening. This guy Yikes. had trees and espionage. Um it's a it's a it's a classic spy story. Yeah. Um I think the motivation here it seems it might have been more money than it was ideology yeah, here. I, I don't so. I don't see much in here that would suggest ideology. Mm. I think it's mm. it's more just just money and just greed. Um yeah, very classic uh, uh, spy story. Um, the Chinese trying to garner um, influence with a connected businessman uh, in Australia to then support mm. back to, to then report, you know, back to them on issues that they're interested in. Um, the Australians have been facing this issue for a while, I think, is in one of the mm. previous episodes we talked about. Uh, the Australians rolling up a spy ring in the country. I don't believe in those reports they said specifically the country that was behind no, it. I think it was no, it was the head of Australian intelligence yeah. who said Right 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 but he didn't name the country. But reading between the lines it sort of it, it felt like China. Mm. Um yeah they're they're in a in a sustained uh, confrontation with the Chinese now. I mean mm. China's trying to exert Influence throughout the Indo-Pacific region and uh, Australia is right there. Um, Mm. And I Mm. think it just speaks to the um, importance of deals like AUKUS um, to, uh, yeah, bring the Australians more into the fold there. They're much closer to the uh, proverbial front lines of this Mm. issue than uh, you and I are. Mm. Um,
1: Massively, yeah. 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 What were oh dear, your thoughts no on it? Well yeah I'm curious about the nature of the information he passed on to these Chinese spies because he's supposedly a businessman so I don't believe he had any top secret clearance or anything like that but it doesn't count out that he might have known some people who did so um, I am intrigued to see what the court case will bring out Um, obviously some aspects might be kept under wraps for forevermore but um, you know obviously he was um, yeah so if he was only giving information that was sort of from publicly available sources then I think that isn't that legally questionable in terms of you're going to charge him you could probably charge him for accepting cash from foreign spies and give him whatever the standard sentence is for that but but for the information, it must be a bit tricky.
0: Yeah, I, I think, uh, I mean, I, I know nothing about uh, Australian um, espionage laws. But I think, yeah, even if even if the information that you're handing over isn't classified, you know, legally protected in that manner, just the act of, of espionage, specifically accepting money. I think that's where mm. he's really going to get nailed here, mm. uh, I- accepting money from Chinese intelligence agents in exchange for this information. I think that's where the illegality comes in
1: yeah indeed and indeed and it's not apparent i've not seen anything to say he was compromised so it does seem to be money is the motivation here on our on our mice yeah. chart um so we yep. will see but you never know there might be some story where he got up to something and uh, was probably caught with his pants down or something but who knows we'll find out more i'm sure as this story develops um so on our final topic for today we're going to go to the north sea and join a russian spy ship or a russian spy shit as i accidentally called it earlier um so <laughs> there's two two very good articles about this one of them is uh titled ukraine war the russian spy ship accused of north sea sabotage by gordon carrera for the bbc and then there's another article by jody harrison for the herald of scotland which is just titled russian spy ship probed wind farm for sabotage plans so just just to break these two articles down into one um so a russian spy ship named admiral Vladmirsky stopped off sites off the coast of scotland as parts of plans to sabotage key energy infrastructure An investigation by european broadcasters claims a joint report by broadcasters in denmark sweden finland and norway claims the admiral Vladmirsky was part of an operation to map un- undersea structure The Danish broadcaster DR has published a video of an encounter at sea between a small boat carrying their team and the Russian ship filmed off the Danish coast in November. The report focuses on the, on the ship, the Admiral Blomirsky, and officially this ship is an expeditionary oceanographic ship or an underwater research vessel, but the report alleges that it is in fact a Russian spy ship. It says the vessel slows down when it approaches areas where there are wind farms and loiters in the area, and it said it sailed for months without, with its transmitter turned off so um, when the reporter in that video i mentioned earlier when the reporter approached the ship in a small boat he was confronted by a masked man carrying what appeared to be a military assault rifle in february dutch intelligence issued an unusual official warning about activity that could indicate preparation for disruption or sabotage of marine infrastructure the head of the country's military intelligence said a russian ship had been detected near a wind farm in the north sea and was mapping out sites danish counterintelligence Officer says the sabotage plans are being prepared in case of full conflict with the West. So reconnaissance of sensitive sites is not unusual and Western countries will likely be carrying out similar activity against Russia. The intention is likely to have a series of options available should a conflict escalate. Uh, and one option might be to damage communications or take down a country's power system to cause chaos. And then the report raises the possibility that such vessel vessels were linked to the Nord Stream attack last year so uh matt i don't know if you have any thoughts on russian spy ships there's certainly been some off the coast of america there was something last year wasn't there i think um off the east coast where or off the coast of alaska there was something suspicious floating around
0: yeah i this was very interesting to me um i'm glad you uh included this in here um i believe i saw recently that admiral vladimirsky was off the coast of norfolk Mm. um now or or recently um, the Russians have sort of been, uh, even back during the Cold War have sort of been famous for these, you know, in quotes, fishing trawlers. Mm. Um, they call them that are, you know, just, uh, uh, spy ships. There's a few different, uh, classes, um, of them. This, as you said, is an, is officially like an oceanographic research vessel. If, if there's one thing that really surprises me about this story is, you know, the guy who comes out in the Balaklava and the Kalashnikov on the mm. deck of the ship it, it it interested me to, to see that, I guess, the crew was so, like, openly militarized. You mm. know what I mean? Mm. Um, I don't know. Like, m- my expectation would be that there would just be some an attempt to have some sort of civilian cover to these efforts. Um, so that's interesting.
1: Yes, I know. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It was quite obvious, wasn't it? Uh,
0: I mean, yeah, they're out in the open ocean. I don't expect they would. I don't think they would expect to be like attacked or something uh, like why they would have armed people up on the deck. That's interesting. But nice. it, it reminds me of, um, you know, when uh, I had Shane Harris on the podcast uh, last month to talk about um, the investigation into the Nord Stream bombing in the Baltic Sea. And a lot of the anxieties that sort of surfaced here uh, were the vulnerabilities to 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 these undersea uh, networks in the North Sea and the Baltic possibly the english channel the irish c too. um you know that a lot of these networks are really vulnerable you know they're just sitting down there on the on the on the bottom of the ocean um yeah they're just kind of there just mm. sitting and it doesn't take much that doesn't take a force of much sophistication to to sever them or or do them damage you know it's not just oil and gas pipelines it's uh wind farms you know like this article talks about or it's uh electrical transmission cables or fiber optic Mm. lines you know um there's a lot down there and yeah it's all very vulnerable um and you know Mm. if knock on wood uh if there's an actual shooting war between russia and nato at some point in the future you'll see these assets get hit first they'll be the first to go yeah Yeah, well, the Russians even have a special submarine called the Belgorod that
1: supposedly has midget submarines within it um, that can be deployed for such operations. The only thing I will say, obviously, those cables are very vulnerable Um, When I looked into this last year, obviously the internet cables are so vast that I think most mainland countries, it would take more than one cable to be cut to cause a massive internet problem like in Britain because there's quite a big network. Um, Same with Europe as well. But obviously if there was a concerted effort to cut a lot of cables at the same time, that could overwhelm things. It's more more kind of small islands and things that are off the coast of the mainland that sort of are more at risk like the Orkney Islands or the Shetland Islands um they you know that right. could be quite a bad thing for them if they lost the internet or if they somehow lost power they could be without that for weeks um uh, yeah. but i think i think for for that to happen on a mass scale I think we'd, that would be almost uh, we'd be in a shooting war at that point surely and it'll probably be yeah. the last thing on our mind yeah. um, worrying about shit my Wi-Fi's gone down <laughs> because right. you know being in the bunker the Wi-Fi's not going to be very uh, useful I don't think but um, <laughs> not that I have a bunker but yeah. uh, but you know <laughs> if one could maybe I should but I don't know <laughs> pimp my bunker but there we go yeah. Um, so yeah so no it is obviously concerning and yes you're right it has been recently spotted off the coast of Norfolk um, but it's the presence of the ship with armed personnel on board that makes me feel uneasy because it does raise questions about what might happen if someone in a private boat who is unaware of the ship's significance happened to be in the vicinity of this ship and they didn't know that they happened so, to be going past a spy ship so yeah good opening scene for a spy novel there I think so, yeah. yeah. Well, actually, do you know what? Yeah. Um, was it the beginning of uh, For Your Eyes Only starts on a British spy ship, doesn't it, that has the ATAC system that oh, they yeah. have to recover? Uh, and I always liked that opening. I remember as a kid actually quite liking the opening of that film and some of the underwater aspects of it. But yeah. Well, Matt, I think we'll sail off uh, into the sunset as <laughs> we've come to, uh, yes. I think, the end of today's episode. So thank you very much for your time. Do you have any final thoughts, words of wisdom, or anything else you'd like to share with us before we part company today?
0: Oh, I uh, I would just reach back to my heavy, belabored sigh at the beginning of this episode. Mm. That's mm. kind of how I felt this 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 whole way through. Um, we have a we have a problem with these leaks with the protection of classified information in this country, and we have got to get it under control. And um people need to be brought to account for this. I mean, more than just this, this dumb kid who, who posted this stuff online. Um, mm, mm. yeah, we need a whole overhaul of our, of our betting system. Cause it's, it's clearly not working, clearly not yeah. working. Yeah. I remember, and I, and unfortunately I can't,
1: I've tried to find this clip in the past and have had no success, but there was some talk at a, uh, conference Julian Assange was physically at. So it was before he ended up in the, uh, in the embassy, and uh, before end up yeah. in, in Belmarsh, where he basically it was a conference for like hackers and hacktivists, that kind of people, and he was recommending people in this crowd who are in their twenties to do everything they could to join the Western intelligence service or the CIA, and then leak as much information as they could and leak it to him. Uh-huh. I remember that, and I want I do wonder sometimes if anybody of that uh, of that time and that generation did end up trying to do that or not i do wonder sometimes but uh or whether it will inspire somebody in the future you never know i never know (laughs) i mean i think
0: this i think this kid is facing i wrote this down somewhere i think he's facing he's facing like 10 to 15 years in prison if he's convicted on all the counts and i mean he's only 21 he'll have a life after this Mm. um but uh i don't know it's it's uh it's just dumb yeah very dumb i mean he's he's yeah,
1: he's made it very difficult because he's, you know, to get employed in certain ways. But uh, who knows what world he will be in in 15 years' time. You know, he might end up becoming right, a exactly. best-selling author. <laughs> or, uh, what else happens to a lot of these people? I mean, it's like that Carl Rittenhouse guy who ended up... Um, Oh, I God. Know, became a bit of a weird celebrity yeah. on the on the right wing, you know, and, uh, and stuff like yep. that. So who yep. knows? It's not like he's ending up in a Supermax like uh, some really big traitors. But the thing is, he probably unknowingly may well have cost somebody their lives. Um, that's the scary yeah. thing about all this. There's probably an asset somewhere who's very nervous right now because of this leak. Um, and, uh, yeah. and I hope to God that they get themselves out of whatever situation they're in as quickly as possible and just get the hell out of Dodge it's safer. Yep. So uh, on that cheery note, we will, we will get out of Dodge ourselves. Um, but thank you very much everybody for listening. Do uh, don't forget to connect with us on all the socials. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you just type in secrets and spies, it will come up. I did an interesting um, search on chat GTP the other day for podcast recommendations um, and out of the top fifty podcasts, it recommended somehow are at number twenty-eight, which disappointed me slightly. Though. But uh, but there we go. Huh.
0: <laughs> that was yeah. Well, our quite new everywhere. our new AI overlords know yeah. we exist.
1: Yeah, they do. <laughs> As of um, the apparently the information card, because I was asking AI a lot of questions about a lot of things, and it, one of its responses it came back to me was, uh, my uh, that it said something on the lines of its knowledge cut off at like the 21st of september 2021 or something like that so i was using chat gtp 3.5 i think um so uh-huh. maybe gtp4 has got a different cutoff date but uh, no i've been having a lot of fun with that so <laughs> so there we go so matt where can listeners find out more about you and your
0: work uh as always uh, my website is mattfulton.net um and best way just to reach me on social media is on my twitter uh, and that's it uh fulton matt f-u-l-t-o-n m-a-t-t uh yeah that's where i'm at nice one well thanks again for your time today matt
1: and thank you everybody for listening and we will catch you on the next one thank you
0: thanks for listening
1: This is Secrets and Spies.